0: You know, and that's one of the profound conclusions in James McCartney's book, From Crisis to Creation. When he interviewed everybody who had a crisis happen to them and they created a new life that better fit their soul, Uh their soul's essence, he said, if you could go back and take away this wheelchair and walk again, but go back to your old lifestyle, would you do it? And they said, no, it took that. For me to have the best relationship with my kids I've ever had. Wow. To have the best relationship. It's like an autocorrect. It is a realignment in a hurry because we have to advance. We have to show what can happen. Because we're all you got to relax the positive.
1: You're listening to Karen Swain, teacher of deliberate creation, accentuating the positive, showing you a way to a better life.
0: Accentuating the positive, it's not just fad, it's sanity. Who in their right mind would accentuate anything else?
1: hello and welcome to another show accentuating the positive with karen swain as always so wonderful to be with you all again and please remember if you're liking the shows to please subscribe press that bell button share the shows with your friends and leave me a comment i love hearing from you today i have another extraordinary person to introduce you to some of you might have already seen his work jeff granville welcome to the show jeff
0: Mm, thank you karen
1: Also, one of our speakers for the Higher Self Expo, Jeff's topic, Jeff has an amazing story. You're going to love Jeff's wisdom and his story. Jeff's topic for the Higher Self Expo is harnessing our innate ability to achieve wellness, which we're going to talk about today. It's a subject I'm very passionate about because I've been, you know, my journey started with the illness of my mother when I was a teenager or even probably she was about yeah, I was about 10 or 11 when she first got sick. And my questions mm. were, why? Why do people get sick? And then she's di- And then she dies a few years later. I'm like, why? Mm. <laughs> Where do you go when you die? So that was the beginning of the search for me. And Jeff and I were just discussing that wow. spiritual awakening happens through these, predominantly through these traumas, right? Mm.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, they do i mean it's um like we were like we were talking about it 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 usually when you get thrown a curveball in life or you you take a shot to the gut, you know it's that metaphor of like an unexpected crisis in your life and um i had mentioned the book jane mccartney's book um from crisis to creation and it's all about how we handle the situation to move forward that creation or our demise so yeah once once we've been, once we've uh faced that we're, we're a different person we go through that singularity that you know go through that eye of the needle and we're never the same again
1: right i love the name of that book from crisis to creation it's so true let me read you a little bit about yeah. jeff i've um there's so much i could say about i don't know if i'll read all of it but i was getting some information off his amazing website but uh, and I thought, oh, that sounds good. That sounds good. I might read all of it. Anyway, here goes. Jeff Granville faced every parent's worst nightmare. Little did he know that uh, a calm inner mental practice of visualization and breathing or what today is called mindfulness would save a life. On December 30th, 2014, Jeff's four-year-old son, McCoy, suddenly became very ill. During the medical procedures to save his life, Jeff used mindfulness to soothe and care for McCoy as he was going through things like spinal taps and other invasive procedures. After McCoy was diagnosed with a rare form of T-cell leukemia, Jeff became a mindfulness practitioner and formed a non-profit called mindful presence to bring the gifts of mindfulness coherence and controlled breathing to pediatrics, patients, families, and care providers. There are plenty of dark clouds. It's up to us to make the silver lining, Jeff says. For much of his life, Jeff was fascinated with the human connection between science and spirituality. Historically, science and spirituality has been seen as polar enemies, but now with the understanding of quantum physics, we become the connection where science and biology and spirituality merge. Without biology, science and spirituality cannot exist. They are the constructs of the human mind. Jeff is a fifth generation inhabitant of San Juan Island, growing up around the waters of the Pacific Northwest. He's a father of eight, a grandfather of six beautiful children. And today, Jeff shares his story, and I hope it will resonate with all that are capable of receiving it. And your website is Mm mindfulpresence.org. It says here, I'm going to read this stuff because I just love it. It says here on your website, Over 100 years ago, Albert Einstein theorized that a photon was both a particle and a wave. Quantum physics has since proven with experiments such as the dual split experiment and the Wheeler experiment that this is a fact. Now, the teachings of Nassim Haramain show us that every proton is actually a subatomic black hole. Every atom in the universe fluctuates between a particle and a wave at the speed of light. When we pray, meditate, or become coherent, we rhythmically align this fluctuation. In these coherent states, we become more wave than particle. We spend more time connected to the source field energy, also known as God. Mm. Yeah. So
0: yeah. what I- well, I love what you chose.
1: <laughs> There's more.
0: <laughs> you put that together very well. And it really, you know, that really leads in well, because one of the topics, um, you know, the speaking topic is, as you quoted, but one of the things that I'm really working on and, and we're writing about, and it's going to be part of the, the Higher Life Expo, is we're biohacking the physiology of our divinity we have the ability with our conscious mind to become so coherent in the moment that we're right brain dominant instead of left brain dominant, and we are divinity. And that is how we become the eye of the storm. That's how we become the calm, and that's how we slow that rhythm down of uh, that fluctuation between particle and wave that you talked about, because um, it is it is not just... Um, uh, it's not just a, a theory. It is something, as as you read in, in the intro, is that science, uh, science and spirituality exist in nature innately. It's only the humans that separate them. The terms wouldn't even be there if it wasn't for a human perception of both things. But in nature, they just exist innately. And um, when we realize that, and when we use those things, um, the awareness and the knowledge of that on a quantum level, and we become that low resonance, then we are truly in the moment where we are the eye of the storm. And there's literally math for the singularity of being in that moment. And it puts us in a position of receivership. And that's you know, I got there through the story with my son, but getting to that point of calm where you're open to divinity is the key to surviving and getting through that eye of the needle. So, and it works everywhere. Like I say, if we can make that work in the pediatric environment, then it works everywhere in schools and in the home and at your job. Um, It's because it's all core. It's, it's, coherence is a core innate ability that we all share and our autonomic nervous system does not have a choice it's automatic so we can biohack it and it automatically works so it's it's something we all share innately so
1: yeah i think it. it's i think it's the core of getting through life jeff i don't think it's the core of getting through trauma i think it's the core of getting through life yeah, yeah. and i don't know if it's uh, i don't know if it's right brain dominance i think it's I think it's left-right brain coherence. It's just, you know, when I speak to a lot of people that are, are very connected to their galactic families and they're up on ships, and you know, they go there. And the ETs, like, it's only the human world where we've had this separation between the two lobes of our, our brain, and the ETs have just one. It's like it's all, it's yeah. all one. It's like it's 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 unified. Right. But we've been given this opportunity. To kind of be more dominant on on one side and have you ever said seen Balty taylor what's her name oh, i've gone blank uh jill Bolty taylor yeah where yeah. she had a stroke and then she was
0: just a reference yes. yeah and she's completely yeah, yeah.
1: she's completely right brain yeah. dominant so she's out in the cosmos flying around and she's seeing colors and it's just all amazing but she can't communicate with anyone So that left brain part of us, that logical part of us needs to translate what we're receiving, right brain, into some sort of uh, way in which we communicate as humans, which is, you know, verbally. Um, Yeah. But let's get into your story. Mm. it,
0: It is. Yeah. It is. I just want to comment, but it is integration of both sides. It's the, again, just like the universe, the false sense of duality. We see separatism and duality. Um, but that's another human construct. The goal is to have balance and integration. So, yeah, yeah integration of all sides and balance. Yes.
1: You know what I find so interesting? 20 odd years ago, I saw Greg Braden talk. He came out to Australia and <clears throat> and he's amazing. He's an amazing presenter. Have you ever seen him talk live or?
0: No, no, no. Yeah. Well, I did see him once live in the night. Yeah. Night. yeah. Mm-hmm. And
1: all I could think was why do humans need so much proof? to just feel loving, (laughs) to just be relaxed and feel loving. Like, why do we need to go back into history and say, this is why? And then science and this is why. And when I think of mindfulness and epigenetics and Nassim Haramain and, you know, Bruce Lipton and all those people, there's science behind mindfulness. And yet mindfulness is just the practice of being calm and creative visualisation and feeling good. And yet we need all this science to sort of prove yeah. to us that this simple practice is life changing, because it's almost yeah. like it's too simple, isn't
0: it? Yeah, one of the one of the leading collegiate professor PhDs that teach mindfulness around the world, David Richardson, and um, or I'm sorry, Richard Davidson. Okay. I, I think I got that backwards, but he he says he says mindfulness is a return to kindness. Right. And, yeah. And, Like you say, how simple can it get? I mean, just breathe and love. Yeah,
1: exactly. exactly. I know. Anyway, it perplexes me, but humans, we're stubborn. The older I get, the more stubborn I see we are. I was going to say to you before, I've got a client who is into all things, you know, consciousness and galactic, and she's on her spiritual journey and really delving into it. And her husband's not on board, right? But he says, you do your thing, honey. I'll do my thing, but don't talk to me about it. Anyway, so recently he broke his neck, mm. and uh, he's okay. He's getting better, and then he reveals to her that he actually had some sort of NDE during breaking his neck, and now he's in this place of confusion, and now he's asking questions. Whereas before it was like, "I'm not, I'm not interested. I'm not asking any questions. You do your thing. Don't talk to me about it." But now he's asking questions, and we were talking online the other day about it, and she said, "Why did it take breaking his neck <laughs> to like to really?" sort of shake him up a bit. And I'm like, that's the human mind, right? It's like it's what am I going to do to wake you up? (laughs) Oh, okay, I'll just break your neck. (laughs) Like, yeah. So
0: what and no, Karen, that really speaks to that quote that I forwarded you because it is that misalignment. You know, if when we are out of alignment with the essence of our soul, that creates the gap between our autonomic consciousness and our heart and soul and our conscious being so once that gap is started once trauma or incidents creates a gap and we are doing something or something has been done to us that's against the nature of our spirit which is peace joy and love then that creates that crevice for all things to fall into so it's getting separated from that I I think you have that quote because this is this is the core of all disease do
1: you want to read that quote it's such a beautiful quote do you want to read it
0: Okay. Um, I have it right here. Okay. At the core of every human being, there is a divine wisdom that knows who you really are, what your soul prefers. This deep knowing from the soul speaks through the heart to the gut, brain, and mind body, allowing the ego or social environmental influences to lead you away from this divine wisdom is the root cause of all disease and manifests in the body as symptoms. Healing is the process of finding out who you really are and then living true to yourself. Yeah. If you unwind that, if you are not living true to yourself, then you leave room for disease. Your soul is crying out through your heart, gut, and mind body to get your attention. And you're not paying attention because your left brain dominant, stressed, and triggered. So that's the key, is getting back to who you truly are
1: yeah and i have seen that over and over and over and over with many of the people i've had on the shows yeah. that their spiritual awakening was through pain yeah and once they once they did some self inquiry into the pain um like doctors had given up on them so they thought you know i'll, I'll meditate i'll start meditating then they're like guides start talking to them and they start channeling and they completely have this 180 degree turnaround in their life and then they go from soccer mom to like conscious you know channel changing the lives of millions right. and and it's that's the pain is the wake-up call and synchronicity synchronistically you sent me that in an email this morning well my morning your afternoon and then i get an email from someone saying i see you're also a healer i know you can help me i've been in pain for many years and the doctors don't know what to do and i know you can help me and i'm just thinking there it is again you know there it is again i haven't answered this email yet but uh yeah, it's that wake-up call. Pain is a wake-up call. Yeah. yeah, it's asking you. It's, it's talking to you.
0: That's that book I referenced by James McCartney from Crisis to Creation. He was a rehabilitation specialist for labor and industries here in the United States, here in Washington State, actually. He was a neighbor of mine. Um, didn't know it. But anyway, he was in charge of getting people rehabbed after crisis, after injury, to get them back to work. And then he suffered a seizure and became a quadriplegic. And he had to come from that crisis and he interviewed hundreds of people, thousands of cases where the physical trauma that took place in people's life was exactly what they needed to get back to being true to their soul. They were living so disconnected from their soul's journey that the universe said you need a fast forward you need an incident in order to reshape you and with me it was my my um journey with my son and i call it the peeling of my onion you know we all walk through life busy i'm a coach i'm a manager i'm a business owner i'm this i'm that this is my label but the minute you take that hit and you get that diagnosis or whatever it is you're facing in your life it's like immediately your onion is peeled. None of that matters anymore. You're just right there in the moment. So it's from that point, that eye of the needle, that singularity is a magic place. And there's tons of beautiful science about being the eye of the storm. So you can fit through the eye of a needle, the moment in time that determines your and they call it in, in science called the cone of certainty. You know, you can re aim your trajectory in life from that singularity and getting through the eye of the needle. You're you're new again. It's like being reborn. Yeah. So. so.
1: I know. Well, let's get into your story. I, I want people to hear because um, yeah. your story is amazing. With McCoy, what happened? Like, what was happening that day?
0: Well. My son McCoy, who is eleven now and fine, and in the other room and 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 you know, on his pad or something, we went sailing earlier, so they're on pad time now. But he's in he's he's beautiful, he's healthy, and he's led me on this journey. But um on December 29th, 2014, uh, we went through the emergency room doors at Seattle Children's Hospital because my son was swollen in the face and they thought he had a local virus. Um, back in eastern Washington where we lived. And we came to see it, the Seattle area to stay with my mom after Christmas, and he was sick. So um, he was so um, what turned out to be lymphoblastic. He had so many uh, lymph nodes that were tumorous mm-hmm. that it was choking his airway. It was crushing his superior vein so blood could go to his head but not return to his heart. So his face was swollen up. His eyes were actually swollen shut. And they had to do. um, They took a lab draw, and his white blood cell count was over four hundred thousand. And they said, "You are your son has leukemia or lymphoma. We don't know which." And of course, I did that bargaining debate with God of why, 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 why not me? Take me instead. Do I even believe in a God that would allow this to happen? Let alone be punishment to a four-year-old? What I you know, that's, that's one of the major things to being coherent is when you take a hit and you're no longer aligned and in tune to spirit, that takes you out of coherence. And we can talk more about that later. But I took that hit wondering and why, and then McCoy struggled for a breath and immediately I fell to my knees and I realized I was given everything I needed to help him the most. And that was just to be there with him, be there in the moment his eyes were swollen shut and he couldn't see. It's like the equivalent of an alien autopsy, you know, for a four-year-old to be in a hospital with people poking at you and doing things. And and they needed to do a lumbar puncture. They needed to pull spinal fluid, but they couldn't sedate him. And they had seen me work with him getting the lab draw and the IV placed and some oxygen. And they said, I think The only way we can help your son is if we can get you permission to go into the room, the surgical room with him and try to talk him through it, try to talk him, you know, um, keep him calm. So that's what I did. I had about an hour to get ready. And um, all I knew from, you know, the few books I read and the breathing work that I had done just as kind of hobby and for fun, spiritual, you know, uh, spiritual um, exploration, Um, but really nothing, you know, I hadn't delved into it really deeply, but what I knew is that if I could have him listen to my voice and I could guide him down the river we had floated and down the ski slopes that we had skied the last two years, that I could try to get him mind out of body. Um, and that's exactly what happened. I had, I found out later, I got him into a theta brainwave state where he's, he's breathing and about every fourth or fifth breath he would snort a little bit and he was kind of trying to go to sleep and my voice would keep him out and they were able to put a pick line in to his heart and they were able to do a lumbar puncture and get three vials of spinal fluid to test out out of his spine without him batting an eye and it was just this surreal thick slow moments that it was this it was just surreal um and as we talked earlier i was more wave than particles so after they drew the spinal fluid and proved that there was no leukemic blasts in the spinal fluid they could give him chemotherapy and his swelling started to go down and we were in the room at night and i'm laying there and the nurses had left the room and i have him in one arm and my iphone in my right hand and i'm Searching on YouTube for Eye of the Storm, Eye of the Storm. It just kept coming to me, Eye of the Storm. And I had come across Nassim Harameen in Barcelona, given a quantum physics lecture for eight days. And what is he saying? He says, Any meteorologist can tell you the velocity of the wind. I want to know the math of the eye. I want to know the math of singularity. And I was hooked. I started going down that path of what it meant to be so in the moment, so coherent in the moment, in the center of yourself in that singularity, and then open to divinity, and what new possibilities can happen from that moment. And like in um, Hawaii, the, the practice of Ho'oponopona, they say the essence of your soul is peace, joy, and love. And anything other than that is a human situation that it's up to you to clear by saying I love you I'm sorry please forgive me thank you and they say if your cup is full of human windings you have no room for divinity so if you can clear to zero then your cup is open to divine inspiration so that is exactly what happened in that moment with my son is that we were just such a coherent unit and there's personal coherence as heart math teaches there's personal coherence. And then when two people get together, the coherence of a caregiver or loved one can entrain the other person into coherence as well. And then you become an emergent total greater than the sum of your parts. And from that, that is where we were, the eye of the storm passing through the eye of the needle, that singularity in time where you can then take control of your situation with divine inspiration and divine guidance where if you were full of yourself and human windings and angry at the doctors and this and that, you would not have got through the eye of the needle. You would not have survived. So it is literally life-changing. And that's where, I, I, like I say, we're biohacking our physiology of our divinity. That, that is an actual transition in the body and spirit
1: an incredible story Jeff it's an absolutely incredible story and I love the words you're using biohacking (laughs) I don't know if I actually know what that means but I love it anyway but you know what this story reminds me of there's a movie that I watched that I hated actually but there was a scene in the movie it's that Mel Gibson movie it's about crop circles and aliens all things I love to think about Uh, and yet it's you're typical hollywood horror movie and the aliens are coming to eat you and get you and rah. but anyway there's a scene in the movie where he has a young son who's an asthmatic and they're in the basement and the son go has an asthma attack because the aliens are coming to get them right and he does exactly what you're he just talks him out of it he he just does this creative visualization he slows his breathing and he talks because he doesn't have his puffer I think and and that was just the best scene in the whole movie (laughs) apart from the beginning when they show all the fabulous crop circles but yeah and and so there was you know some part of the movie that was beneficial I suppose apart from the horror of the aliens coming to get you but that when you're in that panic and that fear you can you can get out of it without reaching for a drug or or reaching for, you know, just that, just breathing and visualizing and calming and, yeah, it's amazing how simple. And, and
0: that's a beautiful, beautiful example of that too, Karen. That's a beautiful example of that. Because mm-hmm. I, like I say, coherence is contagious, right? It's a positive contagion. So my calm becomes your calm. Right. right? If, if, if a doctor or a nurse walks into a room anxious, If a caregiver care provider walks in mad because of what happened at home and they have these human windings going that's going to be felt by the whole room the patient the family everybody so part of what we do is we teach this coherence to care providers nurses and doctors because Doctors, Western medicine doctors, are the number one rising rate of suicide in the world mm-hmm. because they do, like you said, they know all the medical stuff. They've been taught all the AMA tells them to learn, but this has been left out. Spirit has been left out back from Descartes and the Catholic Church, right? Yeah, and they take care of the spirit. will take care of the body. They are separate, so that is part of the divide that humans did. Yeah, to
1: And what I find so amazing is that we are not educated as to what negative emotion does to us physiologically, but, you know, in our life in general, like law of attract, how like attract, you know, we're not educated. And so many people, and I saw this with my daughter, she's changing now, you know, if you want to take the right for them to be upset about something away, like when she would get really upset and I'd try and talk her out of it, she would defend her point of view. Don't try and make me feel better. I have the right to be really pissed off or panicked about this. You know, It's like this is my right to feel bad. And, yes, it's your right to feel bad. And this is where most of us live, right? So a doctor that's pissed off with another doctor doesn't want to be talked out of it don't talk me out of it and doesn't understand how that energy they're carrying is affecting all their clients and patients and everything because they've got the right to feel bad we have the right to feel bad and yet if we understand what that's doing like in so many ways then you take measures to change that as quickly as possible
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's, it's part of what I, I, I love learning through this is that um, when we, boy, there's so many, so many ways to respond, but, you know, you're talking about, I have the right to feel the way I do. That is sympathetic nervous system triggered in fight or flight, left brain dominant finding something in the field view to match my ego's worldview, to substantiate why I feel the way I do. Look, the world is bad. I told you so, right? That wow. is left brain. And it, it's funny because the brain is said to burn about 20 watts, like as a real dull refrigerator light, you know, 20 watts. But we literally, like Joe Bolte-Taylor teaches us, we literally have two brains in our head. Connected by a small band of tissue called the corpus callosum, mm-hmm. that act as as a connector, but also as a veil, because the left brain, the logical mind, doesn't have access to the right brain's connection to divinity with perfect clarity. There's a veil, mm-hmm. and like she said, when she had her stroke and her left side hemisphere shut down. The 20 watts that was being divided between the left and right hemisphere all went into her right hemisphere, and it expanded to the point where, how am I ever going to fit down in that little body, right? right? So this is what's happening. We have 20 watts of power, or conscious power, this bandwidth of conscious intent, and we can focus it on problem solving in the now, matter to matter, left brain, fight or flight, and be consumed by the feedback loop of being addicted to that blood chemistry of reaction to fight or flight, or we can consciously choose, consciously by our um, by our breath and by our seat of witness, by our place of zero, our, our singularity, and we can take away the power of that left brain loop and give the power to the right brain and connection to divinity, and become become calm and i have this beautiful you know we're we're looking at the earth behind me right um and we've all heard of the schumann resonance yeah it's the resonance of the earth that if you put your feet in water or you put your feet in the soil the negative ions it dissipates okay well that's that's the the um the negative charged earth so if we if we are wound up in human windings right the thalamus inside our brain gets so agitated and overworked it gives signals to the hippocampus to set up this loop of blood chemistry that just sits and eats this emotion and makes a frequency and i call that our human frequency the human resonance it's a higher frequency with this conscious intent and human windings and agenda but the Schumann resonance and the human resonance are far apart so if we take our human resonance our human windings and calm them down to the Schumann resonance of the earth then we can become coherent and that's our connection to divinity that's why we all feel so good when we're out in nature and we have that that awe moment that god moment you know awe is the sound of God, so we all get into that place of awe, we tilt our head to the right, which is divinity, and we have that moment, and we have a smile on our face that's biohacking our vagal nerve system into that, you know, that good feeling, dopamine, endorphin, blood (laughs) chemistry that we love, that's what Bruce Lipton calls heaven on earth, right, the honeymoon effect, so... Yes.
1: Yeah. Again, it's funny how humans need science in order to go out in nature and feel good. It's kind of crazy, but I think the, you know what it is, Jeff. It's us unraveling social conditioning, which says. Yeah. Uh, again, I've got some clients who are teachers, and one's a principal. Was a principal now. She's got a now. She's got a job that um, oversees various schools, and and she's like, "How do I untangle this?" very strong thought form that says in order to achieve you have to work really hard so this is just pervasive through our world absolutely pervasive it's not relax and enjoy your life and you'll achieve all you want to achieve (laughs) whether it's health in your body or love in your life or whatever it is that you want it's like no work really hard if you work really hard You'll get what you want. And so people go, okay, work really hard. No time for going out into nature. I've got to work hard. So we're untangling this, aren't we? We're sort of, we need the science behind it to untangle this conditioning. What
0: do you, think? you know, that's, again, such a beautiful point because innately Indigenous people from all over the world didn't need science to tell them anything right. about their belief system right? They yeah. charted the moon, they charted the sun, they, they, science and nature were one. Right. The only reason, like I say, I can't bring crystals and, and woohoo into the hospital. I have to go talk science to scientists. The reason that we need the science is because science is what took away our innate healing and our innate connection to wellness. So the reason, like we've been, we know innately, like when you're in the moment, and you feel good, you're in right brain, you're just taking the download of the moment and you're in divinity, you don't need a bit of science, right? But what you're having to combat in order to explain that to somebody or even explain it to yourself is all of the years of programming that's been jammed down our throats by the, the Western medical-industrial complex, right. you know, that, that tells us we need these chemicals from outside our body to suppress our symptoms instead of going inside and innately healing ourselves from the root cause, right. not chemically treating the symptom from the outside, okay? Right. So the only reason I need science, and I love the science, I don't, like I tell people, I don't need science to tell me what i believe but it sure is fun to research and find all this proof and then when i work with people it's usually the science that confirms what they innately believe because what we're having to combat to get people to their innate wellness is the programming of not being able to get well by yourself that we've been programmed to believe Absolutely. So the science is what maps that and pushes that back so we can get back to our core innate ability. Yeah.
1: And aren't we blessed when the doctor gives you a diagnosis and says that your disease is incurable? Like what a gift that is because everything is incurable. In order to find the cure, you have to go in.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love that, yeah.
1: Yeah, I, it, but it's so true. It, it's so true. Incurable, incurable. Like it's in the language. It's fabulous. Yeah. In yeah. the language, I have to say, I think I told you. I can't remember if I told you on camera or on the recording or not. But you know, my my journey started with Mum getting sick and the question. What does it take? Why, why do you get sick? Why, why, why? And I I had this question and I was seeking the answer to it and I found my answers. And when I discovered uh, Patria King and I've had them on the show and what's his name? I'll find it in a minute, me and names. Anyway, there are these amazing teachers, uh, spiritual teachers and healers here in Australia uh, and one had cancer and had his leg amputated and Patria had cancer and uh she went and meditated in a cave and but basically it's it's a bit like Louise Hay's story. They cured their cancer through meditation. And I just realized that oh okay, I've got nothing to worry about because mum dies of cancer and basically everyone in my family has died of cancer. No one's had a heart attack or an accident. They've all died of cancer. So I think to myself, right, well, if I get cancer, that's what I do. I go meditate. And that has been the go-to solution that I have had in my mind ever since I was in my 20s because that was the answer Mm -hmm. to the cure, to all cure, is just to go within. Uh, and I, you know, that came from these amazing teachers. I wish I could remember his name. It'll come back to me in a minute. Um, yeah. And they teach this meditation is is the way that they mm-hmm. cured their disease. And yeah. So it seems like a simple solution to me that most people don't understand. And I have seen time after time after time uh, healers or spiritual people talk about this stuff and when the shift hits the fan and they get sick or a diagnosis, they go straight to the medical model and they take right. the chemotherapy and they take the drugs and kind of like all that common sense just flies out the window because this medical industrial complex, as you call it, is such a strong thought form. It's such a powerful presence in yeah. our life, yeah.
0: Yeah, and, and, and that is so true with physicians that are diagnosed within their industry they either follow the uh medical industrial complex to the t or they have nothing to do with it because they've seen you know they're so believing in it that they'll do it till death or they will know i what i've been prescribing to people is not working i'm not going to follow it myself they won't practice what they prescribe
1: right because they've seen it not work Right. I know there's doctors that have come out and I dare not say it because I'll get banned on YouTube that, that, that very popular remedy for, you know, the big C word and, you know, oncologists that have been watching it for years say it doesn't work. 99% of people that have the remedy don't get cured from the disease. <laughs> and if you do, it's a miracle. If you do, it's a miracle. I think if you do, it's because you've been practicing this mindfulness, like maybe you've had the remedy but you've also been practicing mindfulness, and uh, and you've changed your life. But they've come right. out to say they pump it out at nauseam. It's a multi-billion-trillion-dollar industry, and yet it doesn't work.
0: Right. So yeah, go that's 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 what keeps it going is the lobbying and the. Propaganda network that they do. It's like Bruce Lipton pointed out I saw him here in uh, the Seattle area on Vashon Island A year or so ago right before he gave me the endorsement and and he talks about that very thing that if he took all of the um, all of the wellness industry the um, holistic medicine the allopath everything It's way bigger of an industry than the Western medical industrial complex it's, it's worth more per year than the entire Western medicine and pharmacy and everything, but they just lobby so well and they know it's like holistic thing. We know what, what works and you really don't have to charge a lot of money for it. Right. Mm. They know what they're using doesn't work and they charge a lot of money for it right? and they spend a lot of time lobbying and advertising, um, to nauseam. In yeah. order to get us to think that's the way to go, yeah. So it, it's yeah, it's daunting. But if if we organized better and lobbied better, things could change, and that's that's part part of my you know. And it's funny because I've made amazing connections with um, people like the mentors and the books I've read. If you look at the culmination of all their careers whether it's Deepak Chopra, Dan Siegel, uh, Joe Dispenza, Bruce Lipton, uh, uh, Bruce Cryer from HeartMath, the culmination of all their careers is to bring this information into Western civilization, Western medicine. And that's where we're, lo- we're trying to get together and say, listen, you know, we're, we are coming to the Western the, the hospitals in the Trojan horse of stress relief, because nobody can argue stress relief, yeah, and if mindfulness and coherence can bring stress relief down, stress around procedures, operations, better outcomes, things like that, then we can bring it all through the back door of the Trojan horse, you know, and right. we can all we can all work together on it and and we're coming in under the guise of stress relief, which we do yeah. it's like everybody everybody's wayne dyer everybody's culmination to their career would be to bring this mainstream america and from there out to change the system so i'm learning from them they've taught me that that's and it is it's my goal is to have this story somehow help shift that paradigm so i'll I'll be doing it the rest of my life that's for sure
1: yeah, you have the same mission, vision and passion as Scarlett Lewis, who I was telling you about, who's been on the show and one of the authors in Awakened by Death, the book that I put out. You know, it took the death of her five-year-old to bring mindfulness practice into schools. <laughs> You'll make me cry every time you do that. But um, but, what does it take to, to shift a system that's rooted in business, finance, commerce? You know, people make too much money and, People that create peace need to be as organized as the people that create war. And it's, as I'm listening to you, I feel that same, you know, people that are creating peace, you know, in, in healing or healing need to be as organized as people that are, you know, in the, it's not like, well, actually it is war because the medical model is at war with disease. It's at war with it and uh, it is a war. It is a war of type. Instead of saying thank you to your pain for showing me there's something that I need to change in my life, we've got to fight this. And you hear it again. It's like we've got to work hard. I've got to fight this disease. Something that I learned a long time ago through uh, someone who said he had a friend who was a healer, who'd been a healer all her life. And then when she was diagnosed with cancer, she went from being a peacemaker to a fighter because she was fighting the disease. And she very quickly lost the fight and died. But he just recognised that that fight, the disease, was not not where it was at. It's like loving it. Yeah.
0: It is. And that's, that's a, that's a brilliant uh, analogy of it too, because, and, and when I talk to people, I say, now what we do is we march for peace. Mm-hmm. We don't protest war. We march for peace. We want to put our energy into the paradigm we want to create. Like Buckminster Fuller said, you don't change a paradigm by fighting it. You create a new one to make the old paradigm obsolete. Yeah. So we, we want to, we want to show the effect, the, the, the results-based difference between what we do and the medical model, the standard model. And I've always hoped, you know, through this platform with Mindful Presence that, you know, like I say, we can stand here and pull kids out of the river all day long, but at some point, we need to go upriver and see who's throwing them in, right? Because...
1: That's such a great analogy. We have
0: to stop the conveyor belt. <laughs> you know that's
1: <laughs> we got to go up river and see who's thrown them in that's a great that's a great analogy yeah. I, I want you to talk about your experience I was listening to you on Louisa Tanner Munson's show because she also had you on the show as one of the speakers for the Higher Self Expo and uh, I loved that conversation you had with Louisa isn't she beautiful I had I'm about to release the show I've done with her and her story she's just I just love her she's just so beautiful yeah,
0: yeah. Carl and Carl are amazing people mm-hmm.
1: yeah I haven't met Carl I've heard a lot about Carl but I haven't met him yet but uh I'm, I'm so dying to go over to Portugal and hang out with them I just love them um but what was your story I love the quote that you send me about what uh, Bruce Lipton said to you but do you want to share that story with our audience
0: yeah 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 um bruce lipton as everybody better know is an amazing human being he's an amazing spirit and he's his nickname in his group is the mountain of love because you know you just he is that he's just walking love and i had the opportunity to see him speak at the science and spirituality conference in nanaimo three years ago four years ago now and um you know joe dispenza cryon Uh, Greg Braden uh, you know the whole Lynn McTaggart great group and um, I got to meet him I got to give him a card I got to tell him a little bit about the story and I had communication with him but then he came to the Seattle area and he was um, putting on a benefit he did this entire conference no cost for the Sunrise Dancers the indigenous group that does amazing work up here in this area so he was on Vashon Island and I went over there and Um, I was talking to him on the side and trying to, you know, get his attention and he had people glamming all over him. And, and I went over to get some food. I got a pass to go in the VIP area and I was standing there getting some food. And one of the beautiful ladies there from the sunrise dancers, she's helping host and put it on. And, and um, I told her my story and why I'm there. And she says, well, if you want to talk to Bruce, you need to talk to that lady right there. And I looked over and there's this, Margaret Lipton, Bruce's wife, I had no idea who she was or what she looked like or anything. And we just started talking. And she was just taken, she was, you know, kissing me on the cheek and tears in her eyes and hugs and, you know, talking about McCoy's story. And Bruce was in a line, he was at a table, signing books and doing with a big line of people that are waiting in the VIP section to get his a minute of his time. And I'm telling Margaret the story, and I'm like, and the final thing my son McCoy did is he went through an eight-hour kidney transplant without an epidural and zero pain meds just by controlled breathing. And she's like, what? She, re- she walked straight over to Bruce, grabbed him by the arm, drug him out of the line, and said, you need to talk to this person. And we ended up having a beautiful conversation, and um, I asked him for his endorsement. And he introduced me to Annie, um, his manager. And we talked about, you know, doing something together in the next year or so or whatever. And, and I was just so excited. I literally tears just mentor. It meant so much to have him legitimize what we were doing. And um, so then afterwards, I get an email a couple days later from Annie that says, you know, we looked at our schedule and Bruce is just swamped for a year and a half. There's really no time for him to even review let alone do a joint project and i just was sunk and it was like okay the power's in the pause let's practice what we preach take a breath and i just said you know i i understand completely and i'd appreciate your time Uh and just let bruce know that an hour of his time could affect thousands of lives in the future and i know i laid that on a little a little heavy but she just said, well, let me see what I can do. And then a week later, she says, I have an amazing surprise. On the flight from Seattle to California, Bruce read all your research, read your website, and gave you this beautiful endorsement. So that, that has led to a, a, a number of other meetings and, and uh, endorsements, like from Bruce Cryer of HeartMath and, and whatnot. So it was, it was just a beautiful, beautiful time.
1: And I'm going to read the endorsement. As a pioneer in the field of epigenetics, I applaud and honour the profoundly important contribution Jeff Granville has provided in enhancing paediatric care in specific and medicine in general. Mindful presence is a valuable resource that can engage self-healing and the opportunity to reclaim sovereignty over our health and our lives, Bruce h Lipton stem cell biologist and pioneer in the field of epigenetics yeah so yes yes can't be enough of it jeff you know listening, there can't be enough of it listening to you talk about how busy bruce is we when we were thinking about speakers for the high self expo you know we through around people like Bruce Lipton and um Dispenser and all those sort of people but they are they're just rock stars in this field and you have to book them a year or two in advance to get them to speak at anything yeah. uh and N- Nassim Haramein <laughs> I love Nassim yeah. Haramein I have to say I don't understand right. most of what he says but I absolutely love him but that just tells me that there is this huge interest in what they've got to say which exactly. is very
0: exactly.
1: which is very encouraging right
0: yeah. Yeah. And, and the following, like the Bruce Lipton and Joe Dispenza and Greg Braden, the following that these people have are in the millions and they pay right. thousands of dollars for re- retreats and workshops and uh, buy books by the millions. And, you know, it's, it's just an amazing following. And like you say, that is just the indicator of, of how popular and how needed the, this message truly is and how right. timely it is and, and what they're doing. And the... You know, when you look at um in the last year alone since COVID, you look at the amount of work that those individuals have pumped out. They have a machine going of staff and help. And you know, you, you look at the the internet uh television channel, TV channel, Gaia mm. and Bruce Lipton, Joe Dispenza, and Nassim Harameen all had brand new series has come out. On Gaia, that are outstanding. They yeah, should absolutely. all be. I mean, I hate to even say it, but especially Joe Dispenza's Rewired should be should be assigned learning for every child in the world.
1: Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Just- you know, on on my quest, on my quest for um, understanding, I embarked on a five year full time naturopathy course. I didn't feel like it was, I had anything that was going to change the world, but I felt like every kid needs to understand the way the body works. Like we need to be taught this more in schools. And likewise with your health practitioners, they're right. getting taught the basics of physiology and anatomy, but they're not getting taught about how, the, how the mind works, you know, yeah.
0: Dan Siegel in his amazing book, Mindsight, and he started the Mindsight Institute and he literally teaches PhDs. So he'll have seminars with uh, hundreds of PhDs in the audience and he has a running um, survey going by a show of hands. How many of you in the audience have ever had a class about the mind? Not the brain, but the mind. And one or two out of thousands say well in my freshman year there was a psychology unit that talked about the mind and consciousness but that's it right so it is literally bisected out of the medical uh, education system on purpose it is that separation from descartes and the catholic church on that still stands
1: yeah well, that's changing, isn't it? And you're one of the ones that are changing that.
0: <laughs> we are changing that right now. Changing the
1: world. I'm <laughs> Funny you said you couldn't take crystals when you said you couldn't take crystals into the hospital system 30 years ago when I'm giving birth to my daughter. I didn't think I was, I was in my early, late twenties. I didn't think I was ready to do a home birth. You know, I didn't think I had that sort of mindful education enough to do what your son did, you know, breathe through an operation And I didn't think I had that too. So I went into the hospital system thinking, if I need the drugs, I've got them available. And uh, I had crystals and everything. (laughs) Crystals, she was born premmy. And I had the crystals on top of the humidity crib and and I had my homeopathic doctor come in and I had, um, who else? I had somebody else in there. Oh, an acupuncturist come in. It was hilarious. I still had the drugs, but there was a long story about that because I actually stopped feeling the pain before they administered the drugs, because I, I believed he'd given it to me. And, and I had all the pain went from screaming and abusing people like ah to no pain. And I thought I'd had the drugs, but he hadn't put the injection in yet. And so I had this thing happen to me where I'm like, what just happened? And my guide said to me, because you believed it you experienced what you thought you were and i'm like yeah. wow are we that powerful it was like yeah. yeah so yeah that was a amazing but it was just funny hearing you i can't take the crystals into the hospital and i'm thinking i did
0: <laughs> oh yeah you did and so do i i said i can't and try to convince them but i didn't take crystals in the hospital right uh, yeah we we bring it all in Um, through the back end of that trojan horse but yeah and it's funny you know because um my daughter one of my daughters I have five daughters one of my daughters is a master's in women's health and a midwife and she was born by a midwife um you know and knew it her whole life what she wanted to be and and you know of course we all know about lamaze breathing and how innately women have been handling the most un believable pain and the most amazing uh, you know, feat of humans that ever could exist is to create a human and pass it into the world. You know, that is the most divine things human does, you know, and women have been doing it for millennia without drugs, without epidural, without, you know, and yes, there was high Death, you know, but you know, the the Western medical industrial system, the United States is twenty sixth in the world for surviving childbirth. So all that money we spend in the Western medical industrial complex, we're still twenty sixth. Twenty five nations survive childbirth better than the United States, and we spend more money on medical than all the twenty five put together. Wow. So wow, the, problem is, the problem is, and my daughter, who's the midwife, when she was going to school, she did a module on this. And she goes, dad, dad, guess what we're working on this week? And she was telling me the story. And the, the number is that in America, inner, inner city black women are afraid in their environment. And their adrenal has put out such a high cortisol level for survival that they don't have the reserve to survive childbirth. Wow. So just by stress alone, chronic stress causes them to use their reserve of cortisol just to survive their environment, and they can't survive childbirth. So if you took that demographic out, we would still only be fifth in the world, four countries better than us. But that's that's an amazing it's all on mindset and all what we provide for the environment of the women of our of our world. Yeah. You know, so. That shows you how stressful of an environment that inner-city black women are living in. Wow. Because they're not surviving childbirth.
1: That's I didn't know that. That's crazy. I remember when before I got pregnant, my husband decided to go on a trip overseas. And um, when they opened up the Eastern Bloc countries, because he came from his family was Czechoslovakian, so they all shift off to, to Slovenia or Czechoslovakia in those days to um because they could enter anyway i went and did a meditation i did the vipassana 10-day meditation course and i remember seeing a pregnant woman there and i remember having that thought oh that's a really good thing to do when you're pregnant you know do the 10-day meditation i'm going to do that when i get pregnant and i didn't you didn't (laughs) i didn't that's why i went to the hospital i'm like just in case i need the drugs but what i did experience in my prenatal class was a video they showed us which was the most amazing thing i've ever seen i didn't understand at the time how amazing it was but it was of a woman giving birth outside of a hospital system lying on a table in a completely calm state in a in a spin in meditation lying down and her body was birthing there was no effort on her part there was no intervention there was no one touching her or holding her saying push push she was just left to herself and this ripples of the body contracting and pushing out this baby and at the point where the baby was coming, obviously there was, you know, people to catch it on the other end. But it was amazing that the body just birthed and she was in no pain and no stress. And it was, I didn't know that at the time because I was young and naive. I was watching it going, wow, knowing there's no way I could do that, (laughs) but... It was an amazing thing to see that that is what's available when you just let it, like when yeah. you get out of wow. the way. The body knows what to do.
0: Yeah. Beautiful. So, I I've never heard that, but that is a that is a perfect example of what our innate abilities are, and how separated we are from them. Because right? I've never heard of that. That was new to you when you saw it. Yeah. But that is what we're capable of.
1: That's what we're capable but of. Yet, yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, We're, yeah, just we're not allowed. We're, we're capable. Separated.
1: We're God, right? We're capable of amazing things. We're we're yeah. you know we're creation. We're creative genius. We're correct. We're capable of amazing things if we just untangle the social conditioning <laughs> and remember, remember who we are. Yeah. With your son, I wanted to ask you a few questions about your family. So you're a grandfather, and you've st- and you've still got young children. Uh, You've been having kids for a while.
0: Yes, I have. Yes, there's a spread. I had six kids early on, and then I was a single parent for a long time. And my youngest daughter at the time I met my next wife of these two, Um, she was 12 at the time we met and 16 when we had our first child. So there's a 16-year gap between my older six and my younger two, and I've been a single parent most of that time in the middle. Um, so yeah, it started early for me. Um, like I, I, I'm, I'm a high school graduate. I've worked in the boatyard industry my whole life around boats in the Marine industry and had nothing to do with the medical industrial complex. This has literally drugged me into my new calling from that. Um, but yeah, the experiences I've had with my kids and, and, you know, it, it is just so amazing when you finally you know, if you unwind that quote, and and I'm really living true to who I am, mm. it, it's just amazing to see the path it took to get me here.
1: Yeah, and, and McCoy. There was, no Ma- there was no mistakes, and McCoy was is your youngest. Yes, but isn't it interesting? After how many kids have you got? Did you say eight kids? You're eight, eight kids? kids. And McCoy, being the youngest, was the one that opened up. You know that 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 did, you know that opened it all up for you i just yeah wow
0: yeah, yeah it's it's beyond wild i mean it's um we uh, we found out that their mom couldn't have couldn't conceive kids okay. so we medically induced three times to have mccoy's older sister logan but then once she walked through that door
1: he came McCoy naturally
0: came through, right without any help wow and it's, we've, we've read into that before and it was intention. It was it was supposed to be. I mean, that's part of, you know, really soul searching when you ask why. Um, and then if you continue to walk your walk, you'll get those answers of why. Because I did, I asked God why. Why him? Why not me? And, um, you know, why? Why is he going to have kidney failure? Why can't we heal his kidneys? And then we find out that the kidney transplant was like his big teaching of how you can get through a surgery without any complications and get out of the hospital in record time with zero pain meds, no opiates at all and zero pain meds
1: okay, so we didn't really go into the story, so he had the he had the acute sort of reaction when he had leukemia and they couldn't give him any meds, and so you 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 did the mindfulness. And then they managed to do a spinal tap and, and diagnose him. And yeah, And then they gave him the allopathic treatment. And then after that, his kidneys failed. How long after that?
0: Well, um, when they first gave him chemotherapy, it slowed things down and reduce the swelling, but they didn't get the the um, markers down as far as they wanted to. So instead of being on a long three or four year regimen of tough chemotherapy, they moved him straight towards a bone marrow transplant. Right. And then while he was, he went through the bone marrow transplant and just did amazing. I mean, we have got some videos on our website, on the YouTube channel of things that he went through and learned to get to that zero point. Of bone marrow, radiation and chemotherapy and everything. And then he was coming out from day zero of the bone marrow transplant, and they were he was doing so well with such amazing results. They said, okay, it's day 25, and you're gonna get out on day 28. So we're gonna give you a medicine to prevent a disease called graft versus host disease, G V H D, to where when you receive a bone marrow transplant, the bone marrow tries to reject the body. Mm -hmm. So the graft is versus against the host. Of course, they're setting up a combat, right? Versus uh, Mm -hmm. the medical, yes, industrial complex. Mm -hmm. They set up a battle, okay? So the new cells are kicking out, fighting your old cells. So they give you this drug called tacrolimus. And he had a one in 10 million negative side effect from this tacrolimus that caused another epiphenomenon Different and more deadly than the leukemia was to begin with and it's called TMA thrombotic microangiopathy mm-hmm. and what it is is the tacrolimus reprogrammed as t-cells to kill every red blood cell in his body oh so God. the carcasses the carcasses of those red blood cells plugged as kidney filters and he went into renal failure, and he was on dialysis for 27 months, over f- almost 500 dialysis runs, four hours each. And then he qualified for a transplant after two and a half, 27 months of dialysis. So then he had to go through, he had to have his left kidney removed, and then a month later have his right kidney removed and his mom's kidney put in place.
1: Oh, Wow. <laughs> Oof, what a journey.
0: Yeah. So, so it was from the original lumbar puncture to the kidney transplant. There was a dozen more, you know, life-changing. Like the doctor said, he's participating in his own survival. He is doing more. Like it's they say it's 50% what we do and 50% the energy of the room how we receive the medicine and get it to pass through our body is the most critical thing because people don't usually die from the disease. They die from the side effects of the treatment.
1: Right. Right. I've seen it many times.
0: Receivership, creating a state of receivership. When we're triggered in fight or flight, our core cells are closed. So we have blood in our arms and legs to run or fight or put out fire. So it takes four times the medicine to penetrate those closed off cells. So kids overdose, like my son had an adverse reaction to a medicine because they gave him four times the needed dose, assuming he was afraid, but he was coherent. He wasn't afraid. it was an overdose for him. That's why he had that. So one of the things that we're doing, we're working with Seattle Children's in the clinical efficiency department. They run the first opiate-free surgical clinic in the United States. And I'm consulting with them right now because they've proven the less anxiety before anesthesia, the better the surgery and the quicker release with better outcomes. If you load up anxiety ahead, then you have complications during surgery and pain and complications after you wake up. So we're showing, we're proving that by getting into this zero point, the state of coherence and being open and receptive, that you can give less medicine and less anesthesia and have less side effects from it. So one of the things we're calling for is cortisol levels checked. So we can check a person's coherence with heart math technology. We can check the biofeedback of the person's state of coherence and make a mark in their uh, cortisol level of their blood. So they're doing lab draws all the time so they can do custom dosing for children and all of us, but for children so that they aren't overdosing them trying to force medicine into closed off cells. So if we can get a state of coherence, a state of open receivership, then it takes less medicine to do the job and it passes through us cleaner without side effects, damaging our body. So that's one of the things that we're pushing for to change.
1: Wow. I mean, it sounds like amazing work, Jeff, but you know what? It still sounds like you're fishing kids out of the river. It is. Yeah.
0: But without this, without this platform, they'll never let us go up river and,
1: and stop it at the at the source. Yeah, I know. you got to start somewhere, right?
0: Well, again, going upriver and finding out who's throwing kids in would be protesting war. Yeah. You would be going up there, you did it, we're going to sue you, you need to change your system, you're putting all your effort towards fighting the paradigm. So literally downriver, if we're pulling kids out and showing different results we're going to create a new paradigm that makes the old one obsolete right. and crumbling down. Right. so we don't have to really go up river we can just do it from here
1: so this is a model that you know people need to listen to cuz this has been so huge in our current you know healing crisis that the world's going through cuz there are just a lot of people out there that want to go up river and be at war with the people throwing you know and that it's not it's not working and it's not working because the people that have the bigger the bigger industries are just trying to silence those people, and we're yeah. seeing that en mass, and so that's not working right. um yeah, we just have to we can't be we we can't fight war with war, you
0: just can't no. yeah, just love just love yeah. love right yeah Martin Luther King knew it they all knew it all the all of our teachers all of our learned masters 99 percent of all religion says the same thing and but they're willing to fight over and kill each other over the one percent they disagree on and that's the human part of stand up sit down how do i worship yeah but love and compassion and kindness and acceptance and inclusion are are you know that's the that's divinity in us that's the divinity in If we can calm ourselves to zero and shut down our windings and our agenda, then we can receive people as we are, Mm -hmm. right? We receive people, we see people as we are. So if we're coherent and we're connected to divinity, that's what we'll see in other people. That's what I see with everybody I interact with.
1: Yeah, exactly. And while you're fighting the people that you think are doing the wrong thing, you're not in your own divinity. Yeah, you're not in your own coherence. Yeah, exactly. You know, my daughter had a, a, because I've been teaching this stuff for years and she knows it, and just like I was telling you, she's like, I have the right to feel this way. Don't try and make me feel better (laughs) with her stand most of the time until life gets to the point where that feeling, you just can't, you just don't want that feeling anymore, and now you're looking for other alternatives. But it took a shark. A blessed shark to really teach her that, so she's off sailing the ocean blue. she makes documentaries out to um, out on the ocean she was uh, just under a year ago she was bitten by a shark, and um, he didn't really bite her; he just had a bit of a taste because if you're bitten by a shark, you usually have a limb removed, but she just had this massive gash in the bottom of her leg, and when she was in hospital. She didn't want to take the drugs because the drugs didn't make her feel good. She had a few operations. And so she was practising mindfulness to, 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 to cope with the pain. And uh, it was a huge lesson for her, huge yeah. lesson for her. And she's been quite transformed since that shark bite in so many ways. So I just bless that, you know, bless that shark. <laughs> What's it going to take? won't listen to mum, but it'll take a shark. <laughs> It'll take a shock to, like, hammer the message home. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Right. You know, and that's one of the profound conclusions in James McCartney's book, From Crisis to Creation. When he interviewed everybody who had a crisis happen to them and they created a new life that better fit their soul, their soul's essence, he said, if you could go back and take away this wheelchair and walk again, but go back to your old lifestyle, would you do it? And they said, no, it took that for me to have the best relationship with my kids I've ever had, to have the best relationship. It's like an autocorrect. It is a realignment in a hurry because we have to advance. We have to show what can happen because we're all in a high state of vibration right now. There's a lot of things happening. There's a lot of the 80% in the middle You know, it's like Bruce Lipton's Caterpillar analogy, right? Right. 90% of the Caterpillar cells are freaking out while us 10% have a blueprint for flight. Right. Yeah. And it's even more than that because there's 10% on the other end that are devouring their environment like the Caterpillar eating every leaf in sight, just looking like we're destroying the world, but yet we're just providing the biomass to create a new paradigm we're becoming it's the covid cocoon we're shaking and becoming you know spreading our new butterfly wings of who we are so it's like forcing that issue and for some people it's not handled we don't spiral up we spiral down you know if 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 you are changing the energy of the system by knowledge if you change knowledge and change awareness then you change the entire system yeah and that's That's something I'm going to really go into um, in the uh, Higher Life Expo.
1: I love that you call it the Higher Life. It's a great name. It's not the name of it, but it's a great name. (laughs) The Higher Self, Higher Life, Higher Self, Higher Life. It's a good name. I like the Higher Life Expo, but uh, the Higher Self.
0: Well, having a higher life, you know, like Wim says, you get higher in your own supply, right? It's all here.
1: Oh, Jeff, well, I look forward to listening to your talk at the Higher Self Expo and you're doing amazing work. Thank you so much for all the work. And thanks to McCoy. He's 11 now and he's healthy. Uh, yeah. He's got new kidneys. I suppose he still has to take anti-rejection drugs. Is he still on? Yes,
0: yeah. day and night for the rest right. of his life. And he has to drink three litres of water every single day and he hasn't right. missed a drop. He's just, um, he leads the way. He's just He's a master of his world. He is
1: He's a little you know, master in physical 11
0: going on 911, yes. Right,
1: exactly. Yeah. I know. Yeah. I I was spreading his um on your YouTube channel. You've got some little clips of him doing some quotes and I'm like, "Oh my god, this is so cute." And I was just spreading them all over Facebook last night.
0: <laughs> oh, so sweet. Thank you. <laughs>
1: so thank you so much to you and your beautiful family and thanks for being on this show it's been a pleasure thank
0: you for your service and your offering to bring this forward thank you so much good to meet you
1: what an incredible conversation with jeff granville i knew when i was watching him on louise's show uh last night when i was researching him uh that i'm like oh wow he's one of the people that are going to transform the medical model Uh, yeah, he's doing it. It's not easy. Gee, it's not easy, but he's out there doing it. What does it take to transform our world? It's going to take big stories, (laughs) big stories of overcoming to really make people sit up and listen, isn't it? Anyway, that's what it's going to take. So that's what's happening. But uh, his son's story is just incredible. That little boy has been through so much. And yet if you go to his if you go to jeff's youtube channel uh, it appears that mccoy just is not really suffering through it he's like this little master here on earth that is a part of the shift in human consciousness that has taken on that role to go through what he's going through it's incredible really isn't it it's incredible and what i found fascinating too that it was after seven kids that mccoy enters this world and and does this, oh, it's an amazing place we live in. There are so many master teachers that come in as children who are sick uh, to teach us, to teach us compassion and unity and mindfulness. And yeah, sometimes illness can be an incredible teacher, an incredible teacher, especially when we see it in the young and innocent What does it take to change our minds? So the message, I suppose, that all my shows, but particularly this one would have, is don't be too fixed in your ideas about anything. Jeff and I were talking about the current allopathic solution to the current health crisis. Even though I'm not up for it, uh, I'm not that fixed. If they make me have it, then they make me have it. And he was saying, you know, if you make that decision, make that decision and line up with it, my words. And I'm like, yep, thank you, Jeff, for the reminder. (laughs) Uh, i do teach this stuff so i'd have to practice what i teach if i do do something that i don't want to do i have to bring myself around to a place of wanting to do it and being in alignment with it being grateful for it instead of in resistance even though it's diametrically opposed to all that I believe. But um, that's that's the human world as we stand at the moment in history, isn't it? Sometimes we have to do what we don't want to do because people are forcing us to do it. But we can still change things, not with the fight. We can change things with our love and know that the body has an amazing ability to detoxify itself um, if we allow it, even when we're getting allopathic solutions that are not really in alignment with health which most of them aren't i have to say yes i hope you enjoyed that Uh, i think jeff's amazing i'm very impressed with jeff amazing he has that same passion and commitment that scarlett lewis does Uh, if you haven't seen the show i did with scarlett lewis she's one of the authors in awakened by death Uh, go and check check out my show with scarlett she's changing the world she's amazing I want to connect those two because I just so think that maybe they can work together. So Scarlett's working in the school systems and he's working in the medical system. So it's two different systems, but they're kind of bringing the same message really Uh, working inside the system. Yeah. Working inside the system. What are you doing? I'd love to hear from you. How can you be inside a system? And change it from the inside out without pushing against it without being at war with it uh, yeah love love is the answer no matter where you are or what you do love is the answer to transforming this world it's it's love, only love it'll take love that's what it'll take it's not going to take pushing against the narrative or being upset about it that all that does is make you sick <laughs> and then when you're sick you're no help to anyone so your wellness and your well-being is uh, your message to this world regardless of what's happening these are extraordinary times we're living in aren't they extraordinary times transformative times potent times Uh, and we're so very blessed to be here at this time on earth i feel that i hope you did too challenges, even though it's challenging, the challenges are what makes life so appealing, human life, physical life, 3D life so appealing to all that come here. They go, yep, I'm up for that challenge. Yep, get me down there. I want some of that. When you get here, you're like, what was I thinking? <laughs> but if we can stay in that gratitude and in that knowing that no matter what challenge we face, we have the power and the ability to sail through it in loving presence, with ease and grace, in love and light. You know, we talk about this in the conscious community all the time, love and light, love and light, love and light, love and light. It is the answer to everything. It is the answer to everything. To find the cure, we have to go within the cure to everything. Meditation, mindfulness, speaking to your mob, (laughs) you know mindfulness or meditation got me connected well not that I wasn't connected I just didn't realize I was connected but that 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 conversation I can just connect so easily and just chat to them like like there's a person standing in the room it's just so beautiful and that was all through mindfulness and meditation I'd spent many years meditating many many years meditating to the point where I can just sit and fall into that complete bliss and stillness and just in an instant beautiful it should be in every school (laughs) everywhere should be taught in every industry anyway it will one day it will it will okay i'm gonna go and uh yeah my show with louisa tanner munson's about to come out but it'll come out before this show so i don't even know why but she's delightful just delightful hope you enjoyed listening to her story as well and uh Sue is coming up into the Inner Sanctum. And, of course, what I'm teaching in the Inner Sanctum is all that we spoke about today with Jeff is uh, getting in touch with your power, your power and your ability to transform yourself and this world, that we are genius. We are genius creators, and our genius lies in our ability to feel at peace, relaxed, and to tap in, turn on, tune in to that higher, our higher presence our soul's perspective or our higher self's perspective and that higher perspective is where all the answers are but in order to access it you have to be in a really peaceful relaxed joyful place joy and excitement is still a relaxed place even though excitement can feel like it's not relaxed it's much more relaxed than stress yeah All right. big love to all of you and I'll see you again soon Bye for now.